their family. I didn't see you there. And welcome back to another edition of the Crenshaw Corner. I am your host, Sanchez Crenshaw. And family, today I'm not joined by the best part of my day. I am not joined by the apple of my eye. I am not joined by the wind beneath my wings. And I am not joined by the rib that completes me. She will be back soon. But as of right now, family, I just want to welcome you and I thank you for joining us. And however you're listening, whether it's on iTunes, whether it's Podbean, whether it's Spotify, whether it's Google Play, I'm sorry, Google Podcasts, whether it's Amazon Music, whether it's iHeartRadio, on our own personal website at www.thecrenshawcorner.com. I thank you so much for listening. Now, family, we're doing it a little different today. Now, if you've ever listened to The Crenshaw Corner, you know, every once in a while we do these special PSAs, these special episodes, these after school specials, if you will. And so, family, I'm doing it again. So if you've listened to us before, you know there's a, a certain set of guys that I, I love to bring to the microphone because I love their perspective. I love their heart. I love them as people. I love them as fathers. I love them as husbands. And I love seeing what God is doing through them and what they're doing in their community, what they're doing with their family. And so I brought them back. Because we need to talk. So, gentlemen, starting to my starting to my left, say hello to the family. Man, what's going on? It's Mark. What's going on, people? It's Jarvis. Glad to be here. What's up, everybody? It's Daniel. There we go. That's that voice. That's the voice right there. That's the voice. <laughs> so, family, we're we are not going to be before you long. But I did want to have a conversation. It was it was laid on my heart to have a conversation with these four men. And the reason being is because I wanted to do something that I think a lot of men um, don't do, and especially a lot of men in the age group that we're in, in our generation, we don't do a lot of checking in on each other. We don't, we don't really check in on how we're doing, not only how we're doing spiritually, how we're doing emotionally, how we're doing mentally. Mm-hmm. And asking the question, are we okay? Um, these last couple of years have been crazy. You know, we can honestly say, now, of course, other generations have gone through things and other generations have seen things. But what we're seeing right now, our generation has never seen before. You know, some of the things we're going through, the isolation, the sickness, the things that we're seeing right now, this generation has never seen. And so for me growing up, it was never a thing for, for men that I ever saw, for men to sit down and actually have real conversations and ask the question, how are you doing? So that's what I want to do today, gentlemen. I just want to have conversation. I just want to, I just want to know how you doing, Mark. How you doing, man? How <laughs> yeah. is everything? Everything good. Everything's good. Uh, you know, just taking it day by day. You know, uh, best we can trying to navigate. You know, COVID with the kids in school and right. wife still working. You know, me working at home and you know still trying to run around, still trying to have some type of type of sanity. You know, right. trying to modify things you know we were so used to just on the go on the go on the go on the go but now it's like you really had to step back and see how can i navigate you know this with the kids they still want to go out and play and not make sure that they have to stay in the house you know right. still getting around and still trying to give them a normal quote-unquote yeah, normal life yeah, as normal as possible at the moment you know getting places earlier before it's crowds of people there you know uh, having date nights at the house you know things like that just like i said still trying to you know live a life that's you know pleasing to them and Enjoyable for them as well Right Jarvis How you doing man Man I'd say On the surface I'm good Right um, 
the undercurrent is uh you know where where have i been <laughs> like right. with, with things slowing down it seems like the intensity of the work that i have to do to to uh to be sane seems to have picked up okay but then it makes me think like you know where have i been like has it always been necessary to put in this type of effort right to be good with not only myself but with my wife and with my children like so um it's it's all good but i also feel like you know yeah some it's some challenge there daniel we're gonna come back to that because there's some things i want to unpack there okay. so we're, we're, trust me we're, we're coming back to that okay. one daniel how are you sir my man i am i tell people all the time i feel like i'm living in very blessed times right now okay um we just bought land we have plans at our house for our congratulations on that thank you uh we have plans at my house for our house that we are building right going into a new career um it's it's hard to it's hard to negate those things in my life Mm -hmm. Uh, but i'm also also still trying to be the best husband i can and i fail a lot at that right you know i'm trying to be the best father i can and and you know some days are better than others you know what I mean? So I I am very blessed right now, man, but there's always some there's always something to grow in. Yeah. There's always something to take account of. There's always something to your point, uh, Jarvis, like yeah, sometimes I end the day I'm like, man, where was I today? <laughs> like exactly. Like why do I feel like I did so much and nothing at right. the same time? <laughs> right. You know? There's some things I'm working on right now. Or let me be honest, there's some things I am conscious that I need to work on. That's, that's it, right? <laughs> I just need to start stepping in the right in, in those directions, you know. I got you. Yeah. Um, I am kind of in between of all you guys. Um, I think I once again though it's always amazed me. I think I relate. I, I pull more towards Jarvis Compass right now because I'm I'm okay. Surface, I'm okay. Right. If you look at me, I'm okay. You have a quick conversation with me, I'm okay. You talk longer than 10 minutes, you're going to learn. I'm not okay. <laughs> it's, it's so much. I don't sleep well. Um, I stay up. I stay up. I work more than I need to. I'm up extremely early. I stay up extremely late. When I should be resting, my mind doesn't turn off. Mm-hmm. I, I'm thinking about everything and nothing all at the same time. Mm-hmm. So, and that leads me to the question that I want to ask right now, because I think it's not to be morbid, but let's, let's be honest. We don't really have a lot of conversations. We have conversation about everything that's wrong with men. Let's be honest, especially in this day and age, we have toxic masculinity and and everything we talk about and everything what's wrong with men and and how men are no good. And we, we have these conversations, but what we don't talk about is that the suicide rate is higher among men. Depression is higher among men, but men don't talk about that because we do the I'm fine. Mm -hmm. So my question is, how do you handle it when you're not fine? When you still have to be a father, like you said, Dan, you're still trying to be an effective husband. You're still trying to be an effective father. We all have kids. Um, You guys are a little different boat than I am because you guys have smaller kids. You know, you we were talking about Dan. You know, you still got a three year old and a six year old in your house. Mm. You got a new teenager in your house. Mm. You know, Mark, you got a, a 
four and four. Six, six and four. Six and four. Six and four, man. Six and four. One, oh, one about to start school and one just really starting school. Mm-hmm. You know, Jarvis, you got a whole teenager in your house. Right. You know, about to be a young adult. Right. You know, so so you have to be that father. You have to be that present husband. You have to be a pillar of your community. You, We all have jobs where people are, are you know, are depending on us, you know? So what do you do? How do you handle it when you're not fine? Start with you, Jarvis. Man, the, the the challenge for me has been over the last, you know, maybe probably five to six years is learning just how to communicate that, like right. how to even just talk about it. Because when we, you know, when I was young, it wasn't like nobody was like, how you doing? At all. Like nobody was checking in. Like, how are you emotionally? Right. So, you know, if it was a, if it were, if the the most I communicated is when I was arguing with somebody. Okay. So, so to now like have to locate myself. Right. Um, I've had to learn, and I'm and I am learning. First of all, that it's okay to say this is where I am, and I'm not in this perfect position. Right. Um, I'm not what I feel like I have to present to the world. I'm not that I'm not where, you know, I'm not at that place. Right. So first of all, just learning that has been a challenge and I'm, and I'm getting a lot better at that. Like just being able to communicate, like, you know what? Uh, I didn't do a lot of work today. I was unproductive at work today. <laughs> like I didn't get anything done. Like any squirrel that ran past my screen, right. I, I was on that. Like, yeah. I've been there where I, I owe my job money today. Exactly. Let me let me get y'all this money back today. Exactly. And just being like okay to to to, to feel that. Yeah. Um and, and let alone say it. Like say it. The, the, you know, how was your work day? Like, yeah, I didn't I, I didn't do anything. Like it, it was a time where I would just you know, I would have put up some kind of front. Like so just getting comfortable with that has right. been has been the biggest thing, being able to communicate where I am and and Knowing that I that it's okay to do it, I allow myself to locate myself more often. There was a time where I couldn't, I couldn't locate myself. Right now, Mark, when you have a wife that adores you, when you have two little kids who you are literally their superhero to them, there is no one bigger in the world than you. There is no one stronger in the world than you, and they want to be with you every waking moment. Mm-hmm. When you're not fine. What do you do? How do you handle that? I, honestly, I'm I'm just now getting a handle on it. You know, after six years of being a dad, right? You know, after ten years of being a husband, like I'm just getting a handle on it because of you know how I grew up. You know, like I'm not. A, I used to always be able to recognize that I wasn't okay, mm-hmm. but I didn't understand the value in communicating that to somebody else. That I wasn't okay Right You know So like Jarvis said Like somebody would say How do you think going Oh man anything good You know Ain't, ain't no problem You don't making it You know right. But like Being able to communicate That you're not okay It's like a weight off your back mm-hmm. And the reason why I didn't communicate it Because you know As males You feel like If I communicate That I'm not okay That shows weakness Right yep. yeah. You know So It took for me And me and my wife To go to counseling To understand that Like And for me to understand That that because I communicate that I'm not okay doesn't mean I'm weak. It shows a strength in me that I'm vulnerable enough to communicate that with, you know, my spouse. Right. 
you know, and trying to surround myself with, you know, good guys, you know, that you can really knock heads with, have deep conversations about, and there's no judgment. Right. You know, so just the communication aspect has been has been big for me because I held it in for years, for years, for years. And then like last year I had just like one of those moments I was like all out of sorts, you know, because for so many years you just hold it in and that doesn't do anything but beat you down. Yeah. You, know? you don't want to give up that competitive advantage. Yeah. You don't want to say like you don't so have competitive. it. Yeah. And like, everything. Yeah. So yeah. like to display or to tell you where I can be hurt is it just yeah. seems like that's just not that's not that's not smart. It goes against everything we were taught as children. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Now, Daniel, for someone who is full of joy, someone who lights up a room when they come into the room, someone who's always looking to bring happiness into whatever situation they walk into. I think he just misread you. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Who are you talking about? Right. <laughs> How do you deal with it when, because like Mark, you have a, you have a, a wife that adores you. You have kids that adore you. Your your sons want to be with you, want to be around you. And mm-hmm. so, how do you deal with it when when you're not fine? I think um, there's there's a lot of strength in messing up and having the courage to ask for forgiveness. Right. Yeah. Um, you know it's. Forgiveness may sound different when it comes to your kids. It may sound different when it comes to your wife. Um, but, man, I get it wrong a lot. Right. I get it wrong a lot. And I also, I, I grew up in New York. So if I'm feeling a certain way, if I'm lighting up a room, like you said, it's because I actually feel, you know, I, I feel some type of joy. Right. If I don't, you'll, like, you'll know. Mm. You'll know. And I think, I think what... <laughs> what us men don't really understand is whether we communicate it with our mouth, we're communicating that. That's good, yeah. Oh, yeah. That we're not having a good day. Something's being communicated one way or the other. Right. The the power that we give away when we don't communicate with our mouth is that we leave people out. Mm. So they may understand, oh, there's a fire over there, but I'm not going to enter it. I, I don't have a, a place to do that. Right. Once we start communicating with our mouth, that opens the door for someone to come in and, and help. It puts us in a vulnerable state. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, I think I've, again, I mess up a lot. I really do. But I also, I understand that the win isn't looking like I'm strong or looking like I have it together. The win is when I have it together, I can communicate that. Right. And when I don't, I can communicate that too. Yeah. I, I have, I'm ahead of the game when I can do that with everybody around me. Who can't because I'm free at that point right. I am free to let you know that I'm not doing well and I don't need to walk around with that all day nice. I don't need to walk around trying to act like I'm okay right um again I think growing up growing up in New York helped with that because you a lot you're just honest the people I, I grew up with was just honest whether it sucked or not um, I think being Hispanic too, being very emotional, <laughs> uh, I'm I'm tapped into that a lot too. Right. We went to go see Wicked um, recently. They have uh, off Broadway. Oh, they brought in it Charlotte. back. Okay. 
And I cried twice, I'm gonna be honest. I'm just gonna say it. I cried <laughs> twice. You know, I connected with whatever was happening at that moment. Those two moments and I, I looked at my wife and I was like, I'm crying, girl. She was like, you know, and and I don't need to be scared that she thinks that that's weak. Right. You know, I don't need to that's not a fear of mine at all. Because I, I because I've allowed her into my life in that way. Right. That I know she'll see the strength in moments like that. You know, can I piggyback off that? Yeah, please. I, go right ahead. I, I think we all touched on something similar communication yeah and what i like to call it is those invisible those invisible barriers okay you know let me let me explain that like it's pretty much the the barriers that we put on other people without just being straight up and even asking them right so for years i put that invisible barrier on my wife because of not anything she did but because i was raised oh men don't communicate feelings you communicate feelings to a woman you go look like you weak if your kids see you cry see you down they go think oh daddy's not superman right so it's like i put those invisible barriers on my family instead of just coming to my wife and was like hey i'm feeling like this you know i'm having bad days this is how i feel and when i actually sat down and we had that conversation she received it so i had an invisible barrier on her for for 13 years you know, we've been dating 13 for 13 years for no reason at all. Right. And I think, you know, as men, we have to break that stronghold of, you know, instead placing those barriers on other people instead of just asking them, you know, or putting it all out there. And if they stick around, they stick around. If they don't, they don't understand it. They don't understand it. But like you can't you can't put that on somebody else and you don't even know their true feelings or, you know, what they think about it. I'm actually. Oh, go ahead, Jarvis. Well, I was just gonna say one thing we we have to do, get better at is is not allowing other people to define our strength. Yeah. And when we when we say to when we say to ourselves, they're going to think that I'm weak. You, I'm allowing that person to define my strength. Right. So it doesn't really matter if they think I know I'm strong. So even in sharing where I am or what I'm what I'm going through emotionally, I know I'm strong. So. I, it's okay if they think I'm weak because I know I'm strong. Right, because you can't let them define how yeah, you feel. Right? Yeah, yeah. Now, it's one thing. I'm glad you touched on that, Mark, because I was actually about to touch on that because you're right. There was a common thread throughout what you gentlemen said, and it was communication. But I have a question for that. Once again, making assumptions. We're, we're all pretty much from the same generation. I'm, I'm going to make the assumption that certain aspects of what we were taught is going to be the same. Mm-hmm. Mark, like you said, we were taught Men don't cry. You don't express your feelings. You know, you you worry about taking care of business. That's what you're there for. You put up this strong front all the time. So knowing that's the background, knowing that that's what we were taught and how do we get out? How did you get out of that? How did you get to the point of wanting to have that communication, of being okay with crying in front of your wife at Wicked? Because that's because I would have done the same thing. Because I'm not going to lie. It's been some... I've been sitting there watching some shows with my wife. I'm not getting a lie. The other day, <laughs> spoiler alert: if you haven't seen it, what, what, what? So, um, Resident. There's, okay, a, no. there's a show called like, Resident. Nah, nah, yeah. I was about to say, bro, I walk out the room. Bro. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, where there was one of the characters that left the show, and the way they and they they person they died off the show, but the way this character was written, it was so well written. You, it made you feel like this is a real person. And the way they did it, it hurt me. It hit me. Right. You know, I felt a little tear coming. Connected with that. I, I connected with it. But how do you get there? How do you get to the point where you can have that conversation with your kid saying, I messed up. I apologize. Or have that conversation, you know, I'm not going to allow you to define how I feel about myself. 
or have that conversation, you know, not putting that invisible barrier on a person when you're talking to them, when now we're going against all the programming that we've had pretty much throughout all, all our life about what a man looks like and what a man is supposed to be. So how do you get to the point? And I'm going to start with you, Mark. How do you get to the point of that open conversation? And I'm going I'm to explain why I'm starting with you. <laughs> and, and family, we've, Mark has been on the show before. He, he's told a story. But for those who haven't seen Mark and those who don't know Mark, if you picture, picture Khalil Mack, <laughs> okay? <laughs> picture Khalil Mack and add about 10 more pounds of muscle and you got Mark from the street, from Chicago, you know, when it was, when living through Chicago really wasn't that, you know, it was a, it was a 50-50 proposition of you was going to come out of it. You know, but and that's who he is. So you got this strong, and if you don't know him, you think it's intimidating dude. But you're sitting here saying, you know what? I know I know to be vulnerable for my wife. I know to be vulnerable for my kids. So that's why I want to start with you. So how did you get there to the point of knowing I got to talk? I got to open up. This is not working for me. Honestly, it was my it was my daughter. Okay, it it, it was my daughter because she has that you know that that similar personality as my. As my wife, you know, kind of, um, kind of type A wants everything perfect, right. you know. And if she mess up, you know, like she's having like kind of almost not a fallout, but she's she gets down on herself. So it, I had to explain to her that, you know, nobody's perfect. Right. But I had to put it in the context of me like even daddy's not perfect. I make mistakes, you she know. Said, and I, <gasps> yeah. yeah. And, that's, and, that's, and, that's, and that's she said, she said, you make mistakes? And I'm like, yeah, I make mistakes too. You know, mommy makes mistakes. Miles makes mistakes. You know, we all make mistakes. And I can remember one time we were in a car and I was asking her something. And uh, me and Ada were talking. We weren't even, um, we were just, I think we were just talking loud. Not even in the argument, but just kind of excited what we were talking about. Right. And I looked back at her and I, um, I asked, I said, I said, Bailey, why are you looking like that? She said, because you're you're talking too loud, you know. And I was like, I had to, I had to stand back and like, this is the time where I need to apologize. I said, Daddy, sorry. I said, if it does it bother you when I talk loud? She said, Yes. And so I, you know, so I apologize. I said, I apologize for talking loud. Daddy was talking low, but I couldn't imagine what she would feel like if we were having an argument. Right. You know, she she was kind of nervous. We were just talking loud, excited about something. You know, so it's one of the things where it's like. I have to be able to communicate with my kids when I'm in the wrong, if I've done something to hurt them, if I've done something to hurt their mom, just being able to communicate that and just understanding that it's okay to make mistakes. Mm-hmm. I don't want my kids ever growing up thinking they have to be perfect. And my daughter's already on this course to type A. Like I see okay. it already. Like I've seen her race on homework 20 times before uh-huh. because she didn't get something right. I'm going to pull the opposite. It's on that now. I can do it. <laughs> you know, that's that's just how I think. Yeah, you know, like it, that's pencil. You yeah, can't do nothing with pencil. Yeah, that's right. just just gonna be there. You know, like it's already done. I can nothing I can do about it. But my daughter <laughs> is like that. She wants to be perfect. But I want to understand that it's okay to make mistakes as long as you learn from those mistakes. Right. You know, I I never always tell people. You know, I I don't take L's. I take lessons. You know, gotcha. that's that's how that's how I look at things. Like right. it's always yeah, it's like always that. a lesson that you're learning from something. Yeah. And I try to take that in every aspect of life. You know, like last year when my man marriage was on the rocks, you know, for the first time. I mean you know, I, I had to learn why it was on the rocks and 
you know, it, it's two people, you know, but at, at some point you have to take responsibility for yourself and right. what you're doing. Right. You know, so the first thing before we started going to counseling, I went to counseling myself, you know, because I, I feel like I need to bring my best self to our counseling so I can really provide value and see what I need to work on to be a better husband. That's awesome. You know, how did you I want to stay right. I'm going to come to you, gentlemen. I want to stay there just for a moment because you touched on something that I did want to touch on through this through this conversation today. Individually for you, how did you get to the point to say, you know what, I really need to talk to somebody? Because we all know, especially in the black community, counseling and therapy is a bad word. It's getting better now. Um, we're, we're becoming more acclimated to it and understanding the, nece- the necessity of it. Yeah, slower for men though. Yeah, but it's much slower for men, especially for black men. Yeah, yeah. And then growing up, you never did that. Go talk to you. Go talk to your reverend, and he ain't know what to do. Right. So, yeah. so how did you individually? How did you get to the point to say, you know what, Mark, I need to do this for myself. I need to do this. How did you get there? Honestly, I I think I just tried everything else. I I tried reading books. I tried listening to podcasts. I did the praying. You know, I pray all the time. I did right. the praying, but I'm like, I want to try something that I know no other male in my family has tried. Maybe okay. that's maybe that's the cheat code. Right. You know, maybe maybe that's the cheat code <laughs> that my family has been missing out on, you know, right. and I had to put to the side that oh, what people like Jarvis said, I had to put to the side what people go think, oh, you're going to counseling. Like, I didn't care. You know, because in me, I wanted to be better, you know, in all aspects of my life. So I'm like, what's the worst that can happen? And I would tell you this hands down, it was one of the best decisions I ever made in my life. Right. Mm-hmm. To go to counseling and to talk and just to be able to get those feelings off, you know that that literally started the transformation into being able to communicate, being able to get a little sad at a TV show, being able to apologize to my kids or apologize to my wife or sit there and tell my wife, you know, like I want to be able to communicate with you about any and everything, no matter how high, how low, and her respecting that, you know, to be able to really open up to her, like it was it was a great decision. I just had to. I put myself first because I'm the person that, you know, I'm the husband, I'm the dad, I'm the employee, like everything else. And then it was like, I take the leftovers. Right. So the counseling finally let me put me first and everybody else gets the leftovers. I got you. Mm-hmm. Now, Jarvis, coming to you just for a moment, sir. Um, and once again, if anyone who's listened to any of the episodes with you, you've always been very open and honest about your background, about your, your parenting mm-hmm. growing up. So I'm going to say something if I'm wrong, correct me. But like you said, you know, growing up with your father, your biological father, it was a volatile situation. Right. So I'm pretty sure him having open and honest about feeling conversations with you, pretty sure that didn't happen. Right. So how did you get to the point with that being kind of your role, lack of a better term, your role model growing up, how did you get to the point of knowing I need to talk, I need to let this out, I need to be vulnerable? How did you get to that point? Um. So uh, growing up, I will say my mother did allow uh, for us to communicate with her okay. about, you know, where we were and what we were feeling. Right. Um, she created space for that. Okay. So we did have, have that opportunity, um, you know, mostly when we were younger. Right. Um, as we became teenagers, we didn't take it. We didn't, <laughs> we didn't try to take advantage of that. Um, but I think... For for me to really once I really started opening is when um, I married I, I married D and 
when I seen that she could locate, like she paid enough attention to me to see when I was like taking a, a, a hard left. Right. Um, and, 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 and kind of got lost. Um, one day she said to me, like, you know, you, you seem like, you know, you, you're becoming less mature. Oh, wow. And, and I felt it like, <laughs> you know, I felt that this was, this was, you know, before we got married. And, right. And so we were dating at the time and she was like, man, it just seemed like you just becoming less mature. And I felt it, but I didn't know like when it started, where it happened. And she was like, okay. it seemed like right around February, you just started going downhill. She saw you. And that was the first time that any woman had ever like saw me. Right. And because she was able to do that, that created a trust. And I think that, you know, that's really where it started is starting with trust. Okay. Um, she created an avenue for me to say, if she's, if she's seen me going down and she's still here, right. I can trust her to be in the, in the process of me get, getting myself together. Gotcha. And so from that I've allowed, I just allow myself to trust her. And then um, from that point, you know, maybe the same day, I think I, uh, it might've been the same day or maybe even the next day I prayed and asked God into my life at that point mm. and trusting him has been the other part. Like, Trusting God that he, the people that he's putting in my life, I can, I can trust those people with me. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I tell people this all the time. You got to trust in increments. You can't give everybody everything all at once because that's how you get hurt. So you give, you give people a little bit of you. And if they steward it well, you can trust them to get a little bit more. Right. If they steward that well, you can keep getting closer and keep opening up to them more and more. Um, to the point where then you'll get to the point where it's not about how you're going to receive me. It's about me understanding who I am, which is why I can be open on this podcast is because I know who I am. Right. Um, I know that regardless at the end of the day, my wife going to be right there and Christ has always been there. Right. So that's how I kind of like, I'm, I'm choicy about the people that I allow in, but then I trust those people with me gotcha now daniel you had mentioned a little earlier you said you know growing up in new york you know kind of honesty was you said what you said you know also with the latin background with the latin blood you know it's always been kind of okay with being emotional so to speak so have you always been a person that's been like open about how you feel and telling people how you feel or have you struggled with that what is that what has that journey been like for you yeah i i think for the most part for the most part i have um, I, I, I really started understanding, I think the power of that when there was a few years after high school where it was just me, I went to college, had a whole different, uh, set of friends there. Right. College was like one of the one, like a mountaintop experience for me. It was crazy. <laughs> I was fasting like two times a week. Oh, right. Wow. I was, I had a, some girl walked into my dorm, sat on my lap and I picked her up and walked her to the elevator. Like. And my parents ain't around. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, I know Jesus is watching, but Jesus is watching when I did a whole bunch of other stuff too. You know? Right. So that that time in my life was so, it was so saturated with like reading the Bible and praying and just understanding for myself 
who God is to me. Right. And I think that really galvanized something for me where I walked away from that experience, you know, that year or two experience, just understanding like, if God loves me the way I am, like who who else's approval do I need? Right. And I, that might that might sound like super Christian. It might sound very simple. Um, a lot of the times, the answers that we that we look for are simple. Yeah. It's the application that's hard. Right. Yeah. So the simple truth is, I know who I am to God. And before you, it it may sound overly spiritual or overly Christian, but somebody needed to hear that. What sure. you just said, somebody needed to hear because there's a man right now listening to us who's trying, who's at that crossroad, who is trying to figure out who loves them, who's trying to figure out what is his worth, trying to figure out, trying to, they're looking for an answer and they needed to know that. They needed to know that, that throughout everything, God is still going to love them. Right. God, it's the beautiful thing about God. And we're going to stay here for a moment. The beautiful thing about God is that his love is truly unconditional. Mm -hmm. Whether you're clean or dirty, he still loves you. Right. Whether you make the right decision or the wrong decision, he still loves you. Right. And like you said, it's really just that simple, but it's the application of it. Mm -hmm. Because what's amazing to me is like for just hearing it about you, where most people do the polar opposite. When they go to when they go to college, they get wild. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, they're they're not around their parents, new experiences, new people. Like you say, young ladies just just walking up to you, sitting on your lap. It doesn't get any easier than that. Right. But you knew for that time in your life that wasn't the right choice for you. And so you went kind of the polar opposite way with it. And I think, and some young people need to hear that too, because there's a young man listening right now who's at that crossroads as well, either about to go to college or in college. And they're, they're having these things come their way and they need to know it's okay to make the other choice. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, right. I'm sorry. Continue. Yeah. And I mean, just speaking about that, you know, I didn't know anybody in college when I went to college right. and I met, you know, the people I knew there, I met there and to explain to them, yeah, I'm not eating today. You know what I mean? Like, right. It, it, but again, I was just so, I just didn't care. I was like, why, why do I need to care what you think about what I'm doing? Like, right. why? Like, what have you, wh where have you earned that? Right. In my life, you know? So I think, I think, and, and, you know, let's just be honest. After college, I made a lot of stupid mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I had to walk down from the mountain at some point. Right. Um, but yeah, I think that experience, man, like no matter who I'm talking to, to, to your point, Jarvis, like in increments for sure, you trust in increments. Right. I always, I, my, my bend is to always start with trust. And then if you break that trust, I at least know I brought my authentic self to you. Right. Got you. You know, again, I'm not bringing, I'm not bringing everything to you, but I, what right. you're seeing is me. Right. And you'll see more of me as you see more of me. Right. Um, but yeah, just that that experience, man. And then, um, like with my wife, I I owe it to her to be honest, her. And I think I just I think I just knew that early on. Like I owe it to her to be honest with her. And there was there was moments at the beginning of our marriage where I wasn't, and I made mistakes. Right. And we had to work through that. Um, but I owe it to her now to be honest to her, and I owe it to her to. She's my wife, man. You know what I'm saying? Like y'all, y'all. Yeah, she's amazing. Y'all know, know this. Yeah, like, she's amazing. Y'all, y'all know what it is. Look scary. To have she looks scary though. For <laughs> <laughs> she's intense. She's intense. <laughs> yeah, I love her to death. She's intense. But like, this is the woman that you know that we wake up with every day. Right. Mm -hmm. We owe it to them to to for the married men out there. We owe it to them to to bring our complete honest self, as ugly as it is. 
Yeah. And if you're doing it for the first time, it's going to be disgusting. It's going to be so ugly. And there's going to be so much stuff that you need to talk about. But when you do that every day, the trash don't build up when you take it out. Yeah. You know, I like you, that. and you need to. Yeah. I'm going to throw a question out to all you gentlemen and you just answer it as you will. One thing you said, Jarvis, in your conversation was like, that's the first time you have been seen. You saw D saw you. Right. And a lot of men, especially, like you said, married men, we have so many titles and we wear so many hats. You know, we, we're the workers, we're the providers, we're the fathers, we're the husbands, we're this, we're that. When is, when is the first time that you felt like that you, the essence of who you are, was seen? Whether you were fine or not, when do you feel like the first time you have been seen? Do you, do you remember? Have you been seen? That was it for me. Um, that was definitely that 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 moment. Right. That uh, not only did, did did I recognize that she saw me, I also recognized that she was still there. Right. In the same moment, I recognized like she saw me and she's not gone. Right. So it gave me permission to look at me. Right. Because. To be honest with you, I didn't want to look at me. Like, I knew <laughs> something that uh, Daniel said earlier is like, oh, I know I have an idea of the things I need to work on. Mm -hmm. Now it's just, you know, being dedicated to working on them. Well, you know, at that point in my life, you know, all the things I needed to, be, to work on was in this closet. And they was just like being stuffed mm -hmm. and stuffed and oh, stuffed yeah. and stuffed. And I was oh, stuffing yeah. it in there. To the point where I, I literally at that point in my life could not look in my own eyes in the mirror. Like oh, wow. when I looked in the mirror, I couldn't look at myself in my eyes. Right. It, it just hurt too much. Like it hurt too much to look at myself. And she saw me and she was still here. Right. So that gave, it gave me permission to look at myself. One thing I wanted to piggyback on what Daniel was just saying about um, we owe it to our wives to be open and honest and real and communicate who we are and where we are and what's, right. but we also owe it to ourselves like we chose this person Absolutely. <laughs> like so so if you don't have a wife be careful about who you choose because mm -hmm. because the idea is that she should allow you to be a more complete version of yourself right so you got to be willing to show her everything show her who you are allow her to see your weak places because she's supposed to be a, the 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 uh, um, uh, the iron that sharpens your iron. Right. So, it you owe it to yourself to allow your your wife in. Oh yeah. I thought he was gonna say the iron to iron your shirt. I was about to say. Bro. <laughs> <laughs> I ain't trying to get in trouble. Here, bro. <laughs> I think also that's a part that a lot of people miss too, because it's that old saying, you know, a half and half makes a whole. You know. When two people come together, half and half. No, because if if it's half, it's broken. Right. Yeah. So now you take a broken piece and a broken piece. Two broken pieces. If it's not of the same, if it's not of the same jar. So you got two mm -hmm. broken jars. Yeah. If it's not the same jar, you're not making a hole. What you have is just two broken pieces together. Right. So it has to be a hole in a hole. Right. And like I, I love what you say. You know, because there are a lot of men right now who can't look themselves in the eye. And who can't have that honest conversation with them and will wash their face with never looking at it. Mm -hmm. You know, will brush their teeth with never looking in a mirror because they mm -hmm. can't look for whatever reason, whatever they're going through in life, they can't look themselves in the eye right now. Um, Mark, when is the when is the first time you felt now, not not the intimidator, not the big guy, not you know, but not the fixer, but really 
the first time that Mark felt like somebody actually saw Mark? Mm, I would say last summer. Last summer was really like the first time because it was, I think it was probably, it was the first time anyone, especially my wife, it was the first time seeing me at my my lowest. Right. You know, like just lowest of feelings, lost my job, felt out of sorts as being a dad. You know, it was like I was literally at my lowest point of, you know, how I usually am. I kind of just, you know, up and up. I'm, I'm on the go You know yeah. like, It was the first time And like I said She was still there You know It was like She was still there Willing to do the work With me Not right. just Hey you do it You do it yourself You go and do you It was like She did it with me And like you said We choose these people And I think I think I think a big issue with You know With guys When you get in marriage is when you didn't show these feelings and open yourself up while you were dating, you mm-hmm. carry that into the marriage. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. right. And and I know, I know, I did it. You know, I, mm-hmm. I I I didn't show any signs of weakness ever while we were dating. So I just felt like when we got married, I just I got to continue this continue this trend. Right. You know, I we we've been together ten years. You know, married ten years. I can't now decide to show weakness, but it's crazy because our best communication we have ever had. In all the years we have been together, it's once we started counseling and when I decided to fully open up 100% and show every bit of vulnerability I had in me. That's when we've, since then, we've had the best, not only communication, the best marriage, best being parents. And it was all because of the decision on me to open up and be vulnerable and just say, I don't care what judgments come at me. This is who I'm going to be. From this moment on to you and our kids And this is just me This is the real version of me Because I hid that side of me From so long Because of the traumas from growing up Of you don't show that side right? You know so It's just the strongholds that Stay on your life you know from People who don't even have influence in your life anymore You know (laughs) It's crazy because I I heard from my uncle you know my uncle passed and my uncle who passed, who told me that, you know, you don't show feelings, you don't do it. Like, mm. the stronghold was still on me, and he's not even living anymore. Wow. Right. wow. Man, so it's, it's crazy how you how you carry that with you, you know. And, you know, you, you eventually got to just step out, you know, and make a change. Because if you don't make that change, then my son going to be sitting on a podcast having the same conversation that I'm having right now. Right. Wow. About, I held on to this. My dad didn't show me this or this. You know, like, I want him to know that it's okay. You know, like. He he came in the room the other day. I was working and he was he was crying. I don't even know what happened. He was crying. And before I'd be like, "Hey, come on, man. <laughs> hey, 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 chop that up." You right. Know, like, he came in there. I gave him a hug, wiped his tears off. I said, "I said you good." He said, "He said yeah." He said, "Yeah, I'm okay." I said, "I said you sure?" He like, "Yeah." I said, "Okay, love you." Before I probably would have never did that. First thing would have came right. out of my mouth. Hey, come on, you you a boy? Stop crying. Like I want him to know that it's okay to express your feelings and my daughter too. It's okay to express your feelings. If people don't value expressing your feelings, they're not, they shouldn't be allowed to be in your space. Right. You know, like if you can't show yourself to other people, then you don't trust them people enough to even be in your life in the first place. Absolutely. I find myself, and damn, I'm going to hear from you in just a moment. I find myself even now fighting with that mm-hmm. because, um, like I said, I, I don't have small kids, but I have a grandson. He's 18 months. And I find that same battle. Like if he if he falls down or if he he starts to cry, I find something in me 
wanting to be like, boy, suck it up. And I have to fight that mm-hmm. because that's not fair to him. Just because he's a boy doesn't mean that he has to suck up his feelings mm-hmm. and not be allowed to express himself, not be allowed to be shown some compassion. Because if it was my granddaughter and she fell, I would run right to her. Pick cry, her up. Cry with her. Cry with her. Pick her up. Hug her. <laughs> you know, but because it's my grandson, right. you're, you're just supposed to just get up. Mm-hmm. No, and I, I have to fight myself because that's how I was raised. If and I, I make this joke all the time because I was raised that way. I look for the I look for the two B's. Is it broken or bleeding? Mm-hmm. If it's not broken or bleeding, go on with your life. Yeah. Right. Is that fair to my kids though? Right. Because you're having a moment. You're 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 having some feelings. You're having some emotions. So I'm telling you to suck up your emotions. Now I'm telling you that at two. Now at twenty three, when you're sucking up your emotions. It's not cute anymore at that point because now you're a grown man, mm-hmm. not knowing being emo- as women love to say, being emotionally unavailable, and not knowing how to handle that. And so I'm right there with you, Mark, because I have to fight that too. It's like you know what? No, I'm not making him soft by showing him love. That's not making him soft. Right. That's making him a human being, and it's making him secure. It's like, making him secure. I, I was just I was just gonna say that I've seen even though my son is only four. Right. I've seen the change. Like when he used to cry. Uh huh. He would never come to me, ever. Right. Will only go to Ada. Now, if he's crying, sometimes he will literally walk right by her and come to me. Right. But that's because I open that gate up to, hey, you can come to me with your feelings. Yeah. Right. You know, I, I I allowed him to do that. You know, so it's like I'm making a change while he's this young, so he's gonna know even when he gets older. Hey, if I'm feeling this way, I can come talk to dad. Right. Exactly. You know, I, I I didn't, and even my daughter, you know, she. She she usually goes to mom, you know, usually kids go to mom, but even now, it's things like I have them at school, she'd come in the house, she'd tell me, I'll tell Ada, and Ada be like, She didn't tell me that. You know, and <laughs> you know, not like a competition, but it makes me feel good that both my kids now feel like they can come to me and tell me and talk to me about anything that's safe place. They right. trust especially, daddy. Especially my son. Cause yeah. like I said, I saw him when he would cry, he wouldn't even look at me. And and that I think that was a light bulb moment for me. Like my son is crying, he won't even look at me. So what if something happens when he gets in them teenage years? Right. You know, like mm-hmm. you you need that you need that dad talk. Oh yeah, you know what I'm saying like so to see now like oh I can go to daddy too as well as mommy. It's been like a, a great feeling for me, and you know and and I, and I never I never shut his feelings down. I'm like I always make sure he's okay. You know, hey, you want me to rub it? You all right? You want me to wipe? And sometimes he just want me to like wipe his hand off. And I'm like, yeah. Right? He's like, yeah. I think it's just. To be intentional that I'm actually monitoring and care about his feelings. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I want to. You said intentionality. We were having a conversation Thursday, my wife and and, and a group of um, couples, and the Holy Spirit kind of revealed that the the opposite side of intentionality is neglect. Okay. If we're not being intentional, right, then we're being neglectful. Wow. There is space mm-hmm. in between, right? But the complete opposite of intentionality is neglect, right? And right. so, to not be intentional about creating safe space for our children, Daniel and I were kind of talking about this as well. Like, what makes us great is us allowing ourselves to be vulnerable, so that we can create safe places for our children. Oh yeah, our parents didn't create a safe space for us to be no. fully human, right? Like we couldn't even be completely human. And, and so, like, like, like Mark said, you got you got years of a marriage where we tripping over this thing under the rug, but we all acting like it's not really there. Yeah, 
Like there's a obvious lump under the rug, but I don't want to share that with you. Mm -hmm, what that right. is and wh where it came from. I don't even want to talk about it. Like it, I don't even see it. So you you tripped over something. I don't know what that was. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. So like, it, you know, we intentionality is, is so important. And, and, and you know, this, this this is something like whether you're dating, you're married, but this is something I, like I really want to say. Surface communication is not communication. Mm. There you go. Me and my wife has surface communication for years and it still crumbled. Right. Like you have to have that deep down vulnerable man, I can't believe I'm saying this type of conversation. Mm. Like, like then you said ugly being yeah, ugly. Ugly conversations yeah. to really know where you stand at. Surface conversation that can only last for so long. And growing up, you just think, Oh, I'm talking. Because I remember that used to be my rebuttal. Like you're not telling me your feelings. We talk all the time. That that but and we did, but it was surface mm. conversations. Right. When we got down to the ugly, man, you know more stuff than my mama know. Oh, yeah. You know, like these stuff I would never tell anybody else. It like opened up the floodgates to just communication about everything. You know, and, and that was like we don't believe in surface communication. Like right. whatever it is, we, we go get it on out the way, you know. Now Daniel, for you, because I want to come back to you. When was the for you felt like the first time that you were actually seen? Not the not the labels, not the titles, not what you could do for everybody, but you were actually seen. Yeah, that that's that's. I feel like the only answer I have is that experience in college. Okay. Um, just because I walked out of that, I walked out of that really knowing who I was. Right. I walked out of that really knowing who I was for myself. Uh, I walked out of that really knowing who I was in God's eyes. And that, that's just been, it's been a defining moment for me. Right. Like those are, those are the moments, um, at least in my life where I always go back to. And I feel like that created such a foundation for me. And I was, I had the benefit of that. Not right. everybody has that. Not everybody gets to experience that. I grew up when I was growing up, I had teachers that actually cared about me and the kids in our community because mm -hmm. our community wasn't an easy community to grow up in. Right. Um, so the teachers absolutely cared and they were another guiding voice for us. And everybody is <laughs> weird. We have a, a Facebook group from the kids who graduated in my year. Oh, cool. Like hundreds of kids. Right. Huge, huge high school. And, you know, somebody wrote a comment just checking up on everybody. And I was just thinking to myself, like, wow, we were blessed to to grow up in that environment. Because right. we grew up, I grew up in an environment where the minority was white people. And it was mainly black people, Spanish people. Mm -hmm. That was how I grew up. And we were, we were blessed because the place that we grew up, it's like, I'm telling you, it's like a bubble in the United States of America. It, it was crazy. <laughs> because what, what connected all of us was that we were from Brentwood. Okay. It wasn't that I was Spanish or you were black or, or you were white. Or it, what connected everybody in our community was that we were from Brentwood. Right. If you got pulled over by the police and you were from Brentwood, it doesn't matter what color you were. They assumed you were doing something wrong. <laughs> <laughs> they, they did. Just because you were from Brentwood. It's, yeah, it's, it's weird. It was weird. But we, we had the benefit. And again, like I, I was blessed the way I grew up. I was blessed the way I grew up because not everybody gets that. Right. Not everybody gets to connect with the community they grow up in completely in right. that way and i also grew up very sheltered my mother 
sheltered us from a lot of that too but I went to public school so I experienced a lot of it as well but I always I grew up like in that truth of trying I was the other answer I was going to say was when I went to uh, ninth grade there anytime somebody asks me I always was this fake person up into in eight from from you know little to eighth grade I was trying to be funny and I was trying to be likable and I was trying to do this and there was something that switched from eighth grade to ninth grade. I don't know what it was, but I walked in. I was like, I don't care. If I'm gonna be me, and I'm gonna, and whoever wants to connect with that is who is who is going to connect with that, right? Uh, so, but I, I feel like that's ninth grade, man. <laughs> that's way too far back. It's a foundational experience. I got you for sure, right? But not, nothing, nothing was like that college experience where I walked out completely confident in who I was, yeah. because I was confident in the one who created me. Got you. Like it's just, it's it's again like the stuff. Some stuff is so simple; it's just hard to live in it sometimes. Right. It it really is. I love it. For me, um, because and I think a lot of men go through this, where it's you're living in a title, or you're living in an assumption of what people think you are, or what people see you are, see you as. And I, I've mentioned on the podcast before; it's nothing new. You know, Ange, even though we've been married for almost 22 years, this is my second marriage. Ange is not my first wife. You know, so I went through the marriage the first time and I always make the joke. I mean, I respect her for who she was. She was just wasn't the right woman for me during that season. We never should have got married. Right. I always make the joke that was my practice wife <laughs> because we never, I learned everything of what not to do in a marriage <laughs> by that first marriage. And, but the first time I was actually seen, was by my wife was by Angie and we wasn't even like situation like with you Jarvis we were not married yet because I've said it before Angie and I never dated so we we met in August of 1999 in training at our job we became friends and then in February 2000 we got married we didn't start dating to after we got married Mm -hmm. we were just really good friends and she was the first person to really see me she was the first person to, to see that I, at that time I was really hurting. That I wasn't as, I, it's not that I was angry, I was hurting. Mm-hmm. Everyone else saw me as this angry dude. Everyone else saw me as an ends to a means. Everyone else saw me as what I could do to fix them or what I could do to help them. But she was the first person to actually see me for me and realize it wasn't good. You know, and like you said, Jarvis, she saw me at that time, she saw me at my worst, mm-hmm. and yet she stayed. And it wasn't because she wanted anything from me. It wasn't because she wanted me to do anything for her. She just wanted the best for me. She wanted to She wanted to help me do the best for me. And that was the first time that I've actually, in my life, had been seen. Now, does people love me? Yeah, I got people that love me. My parents love me. My family loved me. But they had never seen me. Sure. Because I was always a title to them. I was son. I was nephew. I was always something or what they or what they needed at the time. But to actually look at me and see who I was, that was a life altering experience for me. Mm-hmm. I had never experienced that before. Yeah. And I know there's so many men right now who are living in their title. Mm-hmm. They're living yeah. in their title mm-hmm. as as worker, as as husband, as father. And they feel like there's, there's somebody who's not seeing them right now. So what I would say, and I love what you said, Daniel, because what I got out of it is that before anybody else saw you, you saw you. Mm -hmm. And I think that's so important 
that because I go back to what Jarvis said, because there was a time in your life that you couldn't even look yourself in the eye. Right. And I think there's so many men right now who are experiencing that in life. And that's why they're going through so much. That's why they're hurting so much. That's why they're they're in that depression. That's why they're in that funk, because right now they can't even see themselves. Mm. And before anyone else can see you, you got to be able to see yourself. And so that's my challenge to the men that's listening right now. As hard as it is, look at yourself. Right. Look at yourself in the mirror. Actually, truly look at yourself in the eyes. Because I'm not going to lie, y'all. The first time I've really looked at myself, I cried like a baby. Me too. Yeah. I cried like a baby the first time I sat in the mirror and actually looked. Because it was like it was almost like a real bad movie because I saw all these images yep. start coming. Yep. And the crazy part is that before I saw anything else, I saw all the mistakes I made. Yep. Before anything else, before I saw any good, I saw the bad. Mm-hmm. And I'm a I'm gonna do a Daniel. I'm gonna be spiritual for a moment. That's a trick. It's a trick of the enemy. Because he's always he always wants to show you what you're not mm-hmm. because he's so afraid that you're gonna see what you are. And yeah. he's so afraid that you're going to see what God put in you and what God wants to do through you. So what he does is he makes you ashamed and he makes you not want to look at yourself and he makes you not want to see who you really are. And then if you do have the audacity to look at yourself, okay, I'm going to just show you all the bad you are. I'm going to show you what you're not. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things that's so hard for men to fight through because like we've been saying throughout this whole time, for whatever reason, we, we see men as titles and not as people because we're providers because we're fathers because we're husbands we're we're supposed to be all these things and like you said Jarvis you said it best and Mark said it too at no point in time are we allowed to be human because we're flawed we're not perfect we make mistakes and I think that's one of the best things Mark and Daniel said is that having that conversation with your kids be like you know what daddy's not perfect it's the it's the best thing you could do yeah it's the be- because your kids think everything of you, and your, your kids are going to think that you do no wrong. Right. I, I have this conversation with my six year old all the time because he he loves video games and I love video games. Right. And I and I and I try to use opportunities where he's frustrated with video games because he's not good enough to to show him a lesson. And I right. tell him all the time, like, I, I know you're losing a lot in this game. Daddy loses all the time in his games. I am not good a lot of the times. And he and for him to hear that, he thinks I'm the best gamer ever. Right. So for me to say that to him, it gives him permission to say, well, if daddy's saying he's not good, but I see how good he is now, then I can push through through and do it too. That's right. And so for a little silly thing like a level on a video game where I tell him, I'm not gonna help you. You you need to try and try and and, and learn from your mistakes and you will beat that level right and when he does he's so excited right because he where he thought he was limited i showed him i was also limited at one point but i got past it because you can yeah and you give your kids so much strength when you do that i love it overcomer you know it's exactly it's it's crazy because in life you know you you hear people say you know no ceilings on income no what if we went through life with the approach of no ceilings on expressing feelings right you know just being able to express as much as you can whenever you want to, have you want to, without it ever being a ceiling or a cap on, that's too much. Yeah. You know? I love it. And it's one thing you said also, this has been said multiple times, it's it's doing that, but also finding the right people. 
right to mm-hmm. do it to do it with mm-hmm. because Jarvis, you said you know trust is not something you do all at one time right you know you you give a little bit at a time but i think the biggest thing is it's finding that's a if if you are married it should i don't care what you say it should be your spouse it right, should right. be it yeah, should be absolutely I'm, I'm a strong believer in that as your spouse should be your number one best friend mm-hmm. yep. you have friends you have best but your wife your spouse should be your number one best friend. Yep. If your spouse is not your best friend, you're doing marriage wrong. You're doing it wrong. Right. Because that person is a reflection of you and they see everything about you. Like right. when I meet, when I meet, I love when I meet a man around his wife. Cause if he start talking, I wait for how she looks at him. <laughs> is she looking at him like this? It's revealing. It's revealing. It's revealing. Very or much is so. Looking, is she looking at him in awe? Right. Is she still in awe of who he is as a right. man? And and that tells me everything I need to know about that man. Exactly. Because you know, like like uh, Pastor Stephen said, this if 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 you, if I come here and everybody in this sanctuary is like ah, but my wife is sitting here looking at me like you, uh-huh. <laughs> you lie. That's the that's the real. Version of who you are That's absolute truth So if your spouse is not The person that sees You intimately If that's not your best friend You're doing marriage wrong Yeah And one thing I I was My wife made a joke um, Earlier When Jarvis first got here But unfortunately There's some truth into it It's because (laughs) I am And when I say this Please hear my heart I'm real quick to say I don't have any friends I'm real quick to say that I don't have any friends. And she say, baby, it's not that you don't have any friends. You don't call anybody. (laughs) (laughs) That's your problem. Because you got men around you that love you and adore you. And you love and adore them. But you don't call nobody. So I say that to say this. Men, call somebody. Because there is somebody right now that will take your call. There is somebody That's who good. will listen to what you have to say. There is somebody who's not going to judge you. There's somebody who's not going to look down on you. There's somebody right now who sees you and sees what you're going through. And to be honest, they're just waiting for your call. Right. Mm-hmm. So, they need to hear you. Yeah, like, they, need they need to need hear your ear. Yeah. <laughs> and so when Mark was saying, you know, there's no ceiling on expressing emotion, but also with that, pick your circle. Get, get yeah. Expand your circle. Get your circle. Right. You have to have curated. Yeah, my wife says all the time. She loves saying this phrase that we're not islands unto ourselves. You know, and most men love living that way. And I'm speaking. Mm-hmm. I am so guilty. Straight up. I am Absolutely. so guilty because the the crazy part about me being vulnerable. The four men that's in this room, the three men that's in this room outside of myself, we got Jesus so, too. Well, yeah, <laughs> you know, Jesus. Hey, where we go? <laughs> hey. But these are some of the closest men to me. But. I could do so much better in contacting them. I could do so much better in reaching out and having conversations because I'm a type of person that I rather I'm still I'm still battling it. I'd rather be by myself. Mm-hmm. And which is not good because I go through things mm-hmm. because my mind is crazy. <laughs> because I got <laughs> I have thoughts and feelings that go through my mind, be like, if I'm so glad I know Jesus. <laughs> because if I didn't know Jesus this life of mine would be so uh, different. Oh man! Right. Because there, I'm gonna be honest to you. I, I look at myself sometimes. Be like, I gotta look up the definition of sociopath. Like, <laughs> is, you, is you a sociopath out here? I mean, check yourself. And but 
But, and I, I say that jokingly, but it's serious because there are so many men right now who are living that life where there's so much going on in their life and they just need something. They just need somebody. So gentlemen, make a phone call, send a text, yes. write a letter, go knock on the door. Just don't be by yourself. Yeah. I want, I want to pick it back off uh, what Jarvis said because it, it just, it just kind of hit me right now about the, the best friend with your wife. And my wife used to ask me all the time, are we best friends? Are we best friends? You know, and I can remember before we started counseling, I was like, no, nah, I didn't feel like we were best friends. And it wasn't, it just hit me of why I think I felt like that. Because before we started counseling, before I, before we opened up, I felt like I couldn't talk to her about any and everything. Right. Because, of, like I said, that invisible barrier I put on her. Right. So I was her best friend, but I didn't feel like that because of something in me, not anything in her. Right. Gotcha. And when I said earlier, like, man, since we went to counseling, since we started communicating, like, I feel like it's the best our marriage ever been. Like, truly, I've lived on both sides of feeling like your wife is not your best friend and feeling like your wife is your best friend. And right. this is so much better. It like, is. when I say literally we joke, we get around with the kids, you know, we play games, like we talk about any and everything. And it's like, before if I said something, I would kind of look back to see how her face was expressed. I say stuff now, I don't even look at her. <laughs> <laughs> no, no matter how no matter how crazy I think it might be, you right. know, or whatever, it's just I don't even look at it because I, I feel comfortable mm-hmm. in our friendship, you know, that, Man, she still gonna rock with me. Oh like, yeah, like Ada now literally is like, man, that's my A one from day one for real. Oh like, yeah, man, we we rock out, man. Like it's and and it's crazy because people think that you can only have the best time in your marriage the first couple of years, but now I feel like, man, since we started counseling last year, we're going into those best times. You know, oh, yeah. we're we're ten years in, so you can always transform and change your marriage or your relationships or your friendships. If you're willing to put in the work and communicate with the other person, and you and you have to, yeah, and you have yeah. to, the the person my wife married almost ten years ago is not the same person, the, right? No, not at all. the The reality of the situation is we're not married to the same person we married, right? People grow, and experiences change people, and if you miss it and you neglect it, you're not intentional with it, then you're gonna wake up one day and be like, oh shoot. This is not the same person. Yeah. And that's okay for them because you shouldn't expect somebody to be the same person a decade later. What you missed was the opportunity to grow with them. And to learn them. But how hard is that? How, how easy is it though to like, like you said, you married, you have kids. It's so easy to adjust and adapt to being a parent. That's a change. Yeah. But why is it so hard to adjust and adapt to being a different person as a spouse? Here, I mean, go ahead. Well, my man jumped up. Saying, oh, yeah. Go ahead. That's like a nerve. We, no, we, really just, we really just talked about this. We are always willing to meet our children where they are. We don't give our spouses that same grace. That same grace and space, yeah. We want them to be, we want what we're feeling to be what they bounce off of. Right. With our children, it's like, oh, I understand that you're growing. I understand that you're changing. I understand that you are becoming. With our spouses, like, no, you set. So I'm. you need to just deal with, deal. with what I'm dealing with. You're already an adult. You should be already baked. <laughs> no, they're becoming. Yeah. Right. And we have right. to be willing to meet our spouses yes. where they are. I yep. think I think a lot of men who are going through feeling not being seen or, or not being okay, especially ones who are married, it's it's a twofold situation. And, Mark, you, you touched on it well. 
it's living that life as not your best friend with your spouse, but also it's the spouse. As a spouse, you have to give your your husband that space to be okay. You have to you have to allow them to be your friend. Take that title off of them. One thing my wife told me, which blessed me so long ago, is that my wife said when she prays for me, she doesn't pray for me as her husband. She prays for me as a child of God. Mm-hmm. And she said when she started when she started doing that, her prayers for me changed because at that point they were no longer selfish prayers. Right. Mm-hmm. It wasn't prayers that could benefit her. Right. It was prayers that God works in my life for His benefit in the way He wants me That's to. Great. That's good. And so, and I think what happens is that a lot of times we look at our spouses and we say, well, you're my wife or you're my husband. And, and that's the only way I look at you instead of saying, no, you're my friend. Mm-hmm. What do I want for my friend? You know, what kind of life do I want for my friend? What kind of what kind of wellness do I want for my friend? And when you start dealing with them from that aspect and you start taking that title of wife, because and not saying it's not important, it isn't a huge important title. Mm-hmm. But it's so much that comes with that because when I only look at you one way, a lot of the times it's a selfish way I'm looking at you. Because when I'm looking at my wife through as only my wife, I'm looking at how can she benefit me if we're being honest. How can she how can this marriage be better to benefit me? Mm -hmm. But when I start looking at her as my best friend, now I want things different from her. I want her to grow in herself. I want her to grow in her ministry, in her dreams and her aspirations. And what happens when we do that, we start seeing a shift because, Mark, I, I love it when you said you've seen both sides. You've seen not being best friends with your spouse and you've seen being best friends and how much that dynamic changed right. and how much your marriage blossomed and how much it opened up. And men, for the men who are out there right now who are living that not okay life and I'm not fine, I ask this question because there is some accountability on you as well. Mm-hmm. Have you opened yourself up to allow someone to ask the question, are you okay? Because a lot of times we don't. Right. And then we wonder why no one, we wonder why no one cares. Right. We wonder why, why is no one asking me? Why is no one seeing me? But have you opened up yourself? Have you, have you made yourself available to someone to want to sit down Mm -hmm. with you and see Daniel, how's everything going? Are you really okay? And have you opened up yourself for that? So that's all I wanted to say with that. Well, can I say something? Uh, Please, you, you said this so many times, and it's like it's 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 the it's the it's the gift and the curse is the titles, right? So we all have these titles, yeah. And what what I have like had to fight to do is to not live behind my title, right? And 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 choosing to stand in my title when it's time to stand in it. Right. And not being stuck behind it. Right. Because sometimes it, there were there were times in my life where um I I wouldn't be honest as a father because there was an expectation and I told myself oh, yeah. that this is what I have to be and this is what I have to look like as a father and I'm not going to be real because I have to stand behind this title. Yes sir. And the title became more important than the person in it. Right. And so now I'm like trying to live more 
in my titles, what whatever, because we we have we have positions of authority, but we have to stand in those positions and not operate from behind those positions, right? So we can be real as people. Yeah, I was I was gonna say something like that earlier too, because the titles don't go away, right? No, they don't go away. I mean, you 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 are necessary. You, yeah, you named a couple when you introduced me, full of joy, lights up a room. Like I need to live up to that. Every time I walk into a room or talk to somebody, <laughs> right? right. <laughs> but and I was thinking the title is there because at some point. That that's what I always portrayed, right? Right. We're human, though. We don't we don't always portray it. The title cannot dictate who I am. Right. I dictate who the title what exactly. the title is, and if I grew away from it, then it's good for people to know that you know. Mm-hmm. But but again, to your point, like we, there will always be certain titles that I'm, I mean, growing up, I was always a musician in church. Right. I was either singing or playing an instrument. Um, I had to I had to give that away for a long time mm-hmm. when I moved up here. And, and became a part of the church. Right. I wasn't a worship leader anymore. I could think like, oh man, everybody in my past is probably like, wow, that sucks. Right. You know, like he's not doing what he loves to do and, and all that stuff. But that was that was a that's something that people expect from me. It hasn't mm-hmm. gone away. Right. It's expressed differently now. Right. You know, I also used to think like I'm 30 and I'm I'm losing all this time and God's not going to use that gift anymore in me. And I'm not like it's just gonna go away. I wrote a song about that actually, that I need to finish. Um, but then I realized like I'm thirty. Right. <laughs> That's not a hundred. Right. Have, chill. There's so much time. Jesus was just getting started. You know what, That's what I'm saying? I've been telling myself. Yes. Yes. And a lot. Uh, but for me, it comes back. It usually always comes back to a foundation of of how God views me what God has said in my life to me. Right. Because at 30, if I'm thinking I've run out of time with something God promised, God's promise, that's timeless. Right. It's timeless. It's going to happen. Oh, yeah. At some point. And to walk in the confidence, whether that's something you're going to do, somebody you are, somebody you're called to be, like, if God has said it, it's finished. It's done. Wow. Yeah, Bro, it's, you don't got to worry about nothing. You don't got to worry about nothing. It's, it's it's crazy too when you think about like sometimes when you overwork those titles you mm-hmm. know like I think about me last year that that title of being a provider like right. I overworked it you know I mean I I killed the title sure. you know to the point where <laughs> it became a negative thing you know like I was working so much because in my mind like okay I'm a provider I gotta make this much money my kids have to see me going to work that when they ask I gotta be hey. I, I was going to work. When I left the house, my daughter was like, oh, you going to work again? Like, I overworked those titles right. because of something I was dealing with in myself when I wasn't okay. Right. But I couldn't express that last year, so me dealing with it was just work more. As long as I'm uh-huh. bringing money in, uh-huh. my mental was good, yeah. which was the total opposite. And it took to um, yesterday. My son came in from school and... Um, when I took the job, so I work from home now. I took the job in May. I work from home, and I can remember when I first took it. I remember telling Ada like, "Man, this don't feel like I'm, I'm working because I ain't on the go. I'm not on the go. I'm not on the go." In my mind, I was thinking, "Man, what are my kids gonna think when they come in the house and see me just in this room in the house? Like, has Daddy been here all day? He ain't did no work. You know, I don't want them getting that mindset." But my son came in yesterday. Was like, "Daddy, I love you working from home," and it's like, right. I did all that on the go trying to show them that. Daddy, this this what makes a provider me on the go. When I'm bringing in more money now than I was sitting at home in in the office, right? You right. know, and it, it's it's crazy. Like 
sometimes you know you can't let them titles define you That's and right. i and i did you right. know and yeah. trying to live up to that title instead of modifying what the title means oh yeah mm-hmm. you know it, it it brought some bad bad spaces bad months bad times you know but like stepping back now and realizing that it's different levels to every title right. you just gotta you, you gotta get on the level of your title at that moment right. i think what one of the phrases that i found gave me so much power in those situations is no i don't <laughs> i say like if i have a group of uh, guys that we text almost every day we play video games together and everything and if i if i'm being bluntly honest to one of them and not nice necessarily my wife would be like baby you gotta be the nice guy i'm like no i don't <laughs> no i don't you gotta babe we're going to the party you gotta be the guy for no i don't not today i don't feel i don't feel that today like no i don't and and again the title for the most part any titles you're given it, it's because there's it plays a major part in your life or you yeah. you you there's something in your life that has caused you to get that title for right. your husband right yeah uh you know someone who brings joy someone who makes people laugh but again, we're human. Like the the permission to just be like, not today. Right. I I know that's how I usually am, but not today. Not I don't. Today. I don't feel like that today. Right. You know. I I don't feel like I I don't feel like I need to be the funny guy. Like that gave me so so no is just so powerful, and, and it makes people pause, and it makes people uh, adjust their expectations of you. Right. Because they thought, mm-hmm. oh shoot. I thought he was always supposed to be like the funny guy. I thought he was always supposed to be happy. I thought he was always supposed to be right. not today. No, not today. I don't mean it's going away, but I just right. not today. I, I don't. I don't feel like I need to do that right now. And feeling the permission to say that—that's why you're like your wife has to be your best friend if you can say stuff like that. Yeah. I was just gonna say to give yourself the permission to change and be okay with it, no matter if anybody else is okay with your change. Right, you know, right, and think, you know, yeah. and be responsible with it too. Mm-hmm. You know, I do want to be someone who brings joy. I want to be someone who who lights. I do. I want to be someone who lights up. But on your home. terms. But right. Yeah. But on your terms. Right. Not not because you're telling me to right now. Yeah. Right. You know, I could sing, but when someone's like, "Yo, sing something," I'm like, "When I feel it, I will." <laughs> <laughs> if you're if you're around me long enough, you will hear me sing. I'm just not going to at a drop of a dime. Like you, like let me feel that, and I will, and you'll get it good. You won't get it just because you ask. I can't put this nickel in your back. <laughs> I think what it is, is like with everything, with, with titles and like with life and, and wife and work and kids, it, it goes down to one simple complex word, balance. Mm-hmm. That's good. And because with titles, like you said, it's a blessing and a curse to it. Yep. Because, yeah, there are some titles that you're going to wear in life that there's no way around it. Right. You're going to be somebody's son. You know, if you have, you're going to be somebody's sibling, you're going to be somebody's husband, wife, husband, spouse, your father, you're going to be worker, manager, something. You're going to be a title to somebody. Mm-hmm. But with everything, there has to be a balance to it. Absolutely. And I think what happens where a lot of men are not fine is because we have so much difficulty finding that balance. Mm-hmm. Because, Mark, like you said, I'm, sir, I was you with that, you know, because I was, I was stuck in that provider mode. As long as I'm a provider for them, that's all they need. So I'm out here. I'm not taking vacations. I'm losing vacation time mm. because I'm not taking vacation and they don't roll over. So I'm giving money back to the company. Yeah, wow. I'm taking vacation, but I got my laptop with me and I'm right. working. Right. I'll never forget it because my wife won't let me forget it. <laughs> One job, we are driving to New York. We're supposed to be on vacation. 
I got to pull over to a random McDonald's to get a Wi-Fi to log on for an hour to take care of something for work when I'm on vacation. But they didn't care. It's it's boundaries. Yeah. It's boundaries. And it's because I wasn't balanced in life. And a lot of times, as men, the reason we're not okay is because a lot of it is just because we're unbalanced. Right. And we gotta you gotta get that balance in life. I I got a a friend who just flew in. He's sitting at my house for the weekend uh, to see his kids. Right. And we were driving and one of his clients called him at like 8 p.m. He was like, this guy's calling me at 8 p.m. And I was like, because you pick up. Yeah. Wow, yeah. Simple as that. You've gave me permission. He's going to call you if you pick up. You know what I mean? And I I totally understand what you're saying, man. It's it's, it's crazy. So, gentlemen, because we can do this all day. Thank you. He he, he keep trying to end this. We we just keep talking. No, No, it's not that. that. We we can do this all day. (laughs) Um, It's going to end up being a three-hour episode. But no, I just. Somebody need it. Somebody need it. I want to say one thing with what you were saying. Yes, sir. Uh, I, I listened to a guy called Jim Rohn a lot. Okay. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Jim, Jim Rohn. He's great. Yeah, oh, so good. He yeah. said this. He's one of my mentors. Yeah, dude. He doesn't know it, but. <laughs> <laughs> Afterlife. Exactly. Um, exactly. He said this one thing where, you know, you're sitting at your dinner table with your family. Right. And the president tries to call you and he can't even get in contact with you because of your, you giving the respect to that moment with your family. Right. And it's just, I feel like stuff like, that, that's a boundary. And it's a boundary that you created for you and your family. Mm-hmm. It's nowadays I feel like that's tough to do. Yeah. But yeah. God honors that intentionality. God honors if that you, intentionality. If you willing to honor that intentionality, yes. you gotta trust God that that moment was not lost. Yes. And that's the hard part. Yes. It's like, oh, if I miss this moment, I miss this moment. But it's like, no, if you saying no because you have a bigger yes nah. then you got to trust god that god's going to bring that moment yeah back. that's right you, what, what gotta, do they call it in the stock market that that fomo yeah you just gotta you gotta know what's what's important you know you gotta, what's and yeah you just gotta know what's important and and right now time is important so. yeah so let's no, and that's let's what <laughs> no it's fine because but the one thing one thing i will say the one thing i'm noticing about 2021 is that People are looking different at what's important. Now. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, that's true. They are mm-hmm. absolutely. They are. And my wife talks about it all the time is that right now the, the talking about the U.S. is going through the great resignation, where so many people are resigning from their jobs, mm. and it's not because they don't need the money. Or it's not because, but it's simply because their priorities have changed. Mm-hmm. Priorities yeah. have changed, mm-hmm. and what used to be important, right. Mark, like he was saying, because you know you were so busy trying to work, 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 trying to provide for your family. When your baby is the happiest now because daddy worked from home and daddy he can see daddy and daddy's there when he needs him. And it's just things have changed. What people find important now is not as important anymore, you know? What they mm-hmm. used to find important is not right. important mm-hmm. anymore. And they're and they're turning off their phones more and they're missing those phone calls more. And they're saying, you know what? You wanna drive me crazy? Nah, I'm good. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. I'm good. I'm not gonna I'm yep. not gonna lose my sanity for you. And I'm I'm loving it. Yeah, it was like like literally five five different places I was working at. Right. I, I I remember that. And it's what what I tried to do and what me and my wife talked about is how can I like the side job? So I still have my main job, you know, when I work from home. Right. But how can we build more wealth, you know, more revenue without giving out 
as much time. Right. You know, and that, and that's when I started learning about, you know, trading options in the stock market. Yeah, like, that passive income. That passive income. You know, when I'm seeing I'm making this much amount of money in 20 minutes. Right. Sitting in the bed, looking at TV, not even going anywhere. You know, like, how can I still generate income without giving up the time? Oh, yeah. And it's that's that's what worked for us, you know. And it's it's crazy, like I said, bouncing back to that the best friend thing. Like I had a I had a bad trade this week, and I was like, man, I, you know, before I probably wouldn't have told Ada, but I told her. I say that I say I had I had a bad trade, you know. And she, Zach words, she said something. The best friend would say she was like, use it as a lesson, not a loss. You won't make that mistake again. Boom, there you go. Like I was like, he said, man, I, right. I, I, I looked okay. at him. I said, you must want another baby. You supporting me like that? You know, that's like, but, but yeah, it was, it was crazy because that's how much we that's how much we've grown. Like, right to have those best friends. Like she pushed the husband to the side and was like, man, I gotta talk to him like 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 a best friend. Talk oh, yeah. like, hey, you won't take that. You won't take that L again. Use it as a lesson. Next time you'll do better. And man, that that right there. Was a feeling that I will never forget. You know right. how I felt about it. like that's oh, yeah. that's that that's why I said to see the true growth that we've had since opening the communication up, man, has been wild. I love it, yeah. gentlemen. We um, of course we're gonna have to do this again. Um, sure. It's gonna end up being an eight-hour podcast yeah. one day. So, Absolutely. but just you know, how we do this. Always love to do final thoughts. So, Daniel, I'm gonna start with you, sir. What is your final thought for the family today? I, I think. Like just just feel the permission to be you, right? And if you feel like you're in a marriage and you're too far gone to be you, give it a chance, right? And if you're if you love your wife and she loves you, she'll accept she'll accept you, and and y'all will work through it. If it's that far gone, right? If it's not, and you're hearing this and you're like, okay, this is good. I'm at the beginning of my life, and you know, just feel the permission to be you. And to to understand who you are to God and walk in that. That's all you need. You can walk through walls with that right there. I love it. Jarvis, what's your final thoughts, sir? Some of the some of the greatest growth moments that I've had in relationships and in myself were on the backside of being transparent and honest right. and open and real. Um on the backside of an apology have been some of the greatest growth moments I've had in my life so don't be afraid to be honest to be real to say I'm sorry to say you know what I did that I love it Mark what's your final thought for the family sir I I would say this if if you're still hesitant about um, getting professional help you control who you let in your life surround yourself with good people that you can be transparent and your true self with absolutely that's great I love it. I'm actually Mark stole my thunder when it came to the final thought. Um, But what I will say is simply to the men who right now feel like they're not fine. Allow yourself to be open. Um, Give yourself, give yourself grace and space. I know we've all made a lot of bad decisions in life. Some that we're still paying for some that were not as easy to get over as others, but give yourself the grace and the space to work through it. And like, I'm gonna pick it back off, Mark. Find someone to talk to. You are yeah. not in this by yourself. Yep, Whether you're married or single, you are not in this by yourself. I promise you, there is at least one person in your life that if you give them the opportunity, they will be there for you. They will allow you to open up. They will they will talk to you. They will do everything they can for you. 
So just allow yourself to have that moment. And then one last thing, um, gentlemen, I want to say this on the public airways. I want to say this on Al Gore's internet. I absolutely love you, gentlemen. You individually, collectively, I love you, gentlemen. Each of you bring something into my life that God knew I needed and God know that I need. And I thank you so much for being willing to put up with me, for being a part of my life, for loving me the way that you do and showing me that men can love other men in a godly way Amen. and be there for them and love them and help them help them through life journey. So I just want to thank love, you guys. Bro. Absolutely. 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 So family, thank you for listening. However you're listening, whether it's on iTunes, whether it's on Podbean, whether it's Spotify, whether it's Google Podcasts, whether it's Amazon Music, or on our own personal website at www.thecrenshawcorner.com. Of course, we consider ourselves an interactive podcast, which means we can be found on the socials. We're on Instagram, we're on Twitter, we're on Facebook, all in the Crenshaw Corner. And newly, you can find us on YouTube. We have a YouTube channel, The Crenshaw Corner. Make sure you share, like, subscribe, comment, and click that notification bell to be notified when new videos are uploaded. And family, as always, we love you and welcome to our journey.